Hi everybody, welcome back to episode three of A Journey with Go International. I'm back with George again today. Um, George, I'd love for you to today to talk about, talk to me about, for example, one of the greatest challenges that you faced in, in, in your business and how you adjusted to that. Well, every day or just in general? I think, um, <laughs> talk about, let's focus on a particular crisis moment in your business perhaps where you thought, my God, I'm not sure if I'm going to survive the end of month or the end of year and, and what you did in that position to kind of turn things around. Well, I, know, I know you like props, so I've got a prop. Um, I'll explain what it is in a minute. Oh, what is uh, today's prop? See it. it's, got, it's got 2,000 printed on there. Let's do this every episode. Send... No, I can't get you a prop every single episode. <laughs> um, I think the biggest challenge was probably, the biggest challenge was probably 1999 um, okay. as we are approaching the millennium. Okay. And we are told the millennium will be the biggest party in the history, so we're all importing product like you wouldn't believe from the Far East. And I've got about 5 million of these if you want any. It's got 2,000 on there, so if you want wow. some uh, clickers, we have some. Uh, so yeah, it was it was okay. Uh, it was nowhere near as good as it was going to be for anybody. If you remember, or well, you're very very young, so you won't remember. But hotels in London were being sold or initially priced a thousand pounds a night. As we got closer and closer to 1999, the 31st of December, the hotel prices were tumbling down to 100 pounds a night for some of the best hotels because it just wasn't happening. Wow. Uh, I spent New Year's Eve in London in Trafalgar Square during that period to see in the Millennium, crying in my beer as I was looking at all the. Uh, <laughs> I, I was there also, a bit younger, of course, but I remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I stepped on you. There were so many kids in the way. I just kicked them out of the way. I think you were probably one of, one of them. One of many. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I think it's always because if, if you want to set yourself up as being a leader in the industry, then you have to lead by example, and you think, and you need the product there. So as your customers need that product, then it's available to them. So. Yeah, we did go heavy on Millennium. Um, it, it was still good. It was still profitable. But when I looked at all the stuff that was left off at the end of it, because it really didn't kick off the way it was, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges we faced back then, which was, I wouldn't say it was a teeter moment, but it was a sharp intake of breath when you looked at the investment you made and, and exactly you know, what that cost you to, to have sitting on your shelves, plus the huge amount of space it took up in the warehouse at the time. You know, prior to being here, uh, we had, we still own them. We have five warehouses over in a little village called Shefford. Okay. And they were totally stacked to the gunnels with Millennium stuff. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of opened up the boxes and broke them down and sold what we could. So it wasn't tremendously bad. But it, it's, it's, those, it's those events because as, as a party specialist, you're always meant to be ready for the big events. Yeah. Be it Christmas, be it New Year, be it Valentine's Day coming up in just a, a little while's time. And from the going international perspective, we represent 65 of the world's leading manufacturers, okay. as well as that design and manufacture much of our own stuff as well. So even if you don't see a Go badge on there, I pretty much can guarantee that the leading wholesalers in the UK have something that we've had our hands on somewhere along the line. Okay. Um, okay. But it's always leading and, and making sure that that product's to market. The, the, I think the biggest challenge is that we have become a want it now market. You know, it's, it, we, don't, we no longer believe in deferred gratification. We want instant gratification. So we're not willing to wait for an item to come we had a, again another challenge i had a call it was an email on christmas day okay. from an irate customer saying that she'd waited in all day christmas day because she placed the order christmas eve and we promised that the order would be with a guaranteed next day delivery so of course we ruined christmas for her because her package didn't arrive christmas day and, and this is where we're going now because of people's expectations because of the likes of, of Amazon, where you place an order at 10, 11, maybe midnight, it's with you the next day. We're all being put under increasing pressure to have that product with that customer right now. Yeah. And that's not just a retail customer. That's our, that's our well, I say retail, I mean, end user. That's our retail customers as well. The actual shops are now leaving it much later to order. When we started, again, old school, it was like, I think I mentioned this very briefly in the beginning, 
it was wait seven to ten days for delivery. We were quite happy for that. Every yeah. day that went by, we were excited to see that order. You know, we were waiting for it to come. We were waiting for Mr. Postman to arrive with our package. Now it's placed an order at midnight, and by eight in the morning, we're panicking, thinking where our package is. Yeah. And yeah. no one, no one is pre-planning, and because we represent so many manufacturers. When you represent that many, you can't possibly have 65 manufacturers' products on every single line you do on your shelves. Yeah, We'd need yeah. a place twice the size of Wembley Stadium to do that. So our philosophy has always been, we represent them. If you want it, if it exists, if it's in the UK, we're going to get it for you. And we still do that. Okay. okay. But we are coming across more and more of, why isn't it there? Why haven't you got it now? So I think, I think from my perspective, that probably is uh, the biggest challenge. Getting the message across, especially if you're a retailer and you're in this industry, Kind of pre-planning your events a little better. If, if you've got, if you know you've got a customer's wedding coming up yep. tomorrow, you certainly don't order those products today. And I know more and more end users, more and more brides are coming in with with a smaller window of opportunity than they ever did before as well. They're no longer giving you six months to plan it. They're coming in you know, probably with a month or so. But it is really planning ahead. And, and again, you know, it's I understand why retailers can't do it because it's the investment involved with having all that stuff on their on stuff on their shelves as well. So we've got to be the middleman who makes sure we can we can buffer that for them and protect them. But th there's really no way around it. As, as we continue to grow, as we take on more product from around the world, um, it's always going to be a case of that is definitely my biggest challenge. How, how do I how do I make sure that my my customers are well protected and have the products they need when they need them, when regrettably they need them in half an hour's time. So, no, absolutely. It makes sense. And I mean, even like on high street stores, uh, I think it wasn't just even a week ago, I was still seeing some post-Christmas stock that some of the high street stores were uh, trying to shift and everything kind of was cut price. So what happens, I mean, in those instances where, because e-commerce businesses in general that sell product, what happens? Uh, I'm curious, what happens to unused stock? Where does it go? What do you do with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> here we are, twenty years later, and we so still it, this is what I do with it. Yeah, <laughs> the the joy of our events, yeah, Christmas, Halloween, it's going to come around in twelve months' time. Yeah, the downside is that you've got twelve months worth of valuable stock that needs to be paid for that hasn't sold through. That is packed away and put on your shelves till the next year. Yeah. So you are seeing more and more of this clearance as well, where people are kind of panic selling sometimes a little before the event, sometimes a little after the event, because our suppliers want to be paid whether we sell it or not. Yeah. But joy is that at least we know that event's going to come around in, in 12 months' time again. So it's just kind of biting the bullet and realizing that you're not spending as much in 2018 than you okay. did in 2017 because you're just going up on the shelves and pulling it all down and putting it back out again. Okay, okay, okay. And that, 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 that does make sense. Thinking of celebrations, can you talk us through some particular products that tend to do well, irrespective of, of um, the year? So this is one product that will sell every Christmas, regardless. And, you know, mothers that do Christmas with their two boys love this particular product. Is, is there, are there, do you have some things that spring to mind, examples of that? Have you seen our talking balloons? <laughs> the joy of our industry is every day is someone's birthday so it's always going to be your bread and butter lines that's that's what really kind of keeps you ahead of the game and floating um just knowing that everyone irrespective of who they are has got a birthday so there's always a sales opportunity within that for absolutely everyone um the the events we talk about the valentine's day which are coming up yep. now are really a shot in the arm it's an additional boost of adrenaline for us because we're getting an additional you know, kind of rush of sales at 
have a kind of a two week span for us where we're kind of pushing all, all out and doing well with it. But even those events now, because we've become absolutely saturated with so many people in the marketplace, yeah. even our retailers who I, I could I can introduce you to many of them. And I think I've, I've kind of given you a few people to talk to as well yeah. so they can give you a grounding of, of, of the joys of, of retail, too. Um, they're not getting that same kind of rush that they used to be because, again, it goes down to so many people chasing the same market. Okay. A red heart. We, we, we had a customer literally five miles from us. And yeah. on Valentine's Day, they would have a queue literally you know, 50 yards. And it is no, no exaggeration, a 50-yard queue of people queuing up to buy red foil balloons um, wow. for Valentine's Day. And, and they were busy from you know, two days before putting balloons in a box and having them ready for their customers, pre taking pre-orders as well. Yeah. Now it's just another day with probably a 20% boost because – even Marks and Spencers, even Tesco's, even uh, name one, Matalan, they all want to get involved in this because it's a quick kind of, again, quick sale for them. Yep. So rather than selling a balloon that, that my retailer should be selling for £2.50, for example, yep. you're getting a red heart for a pound from somewhere else. So they're kind of, again, devaluing the market, which makes it difficult. And we're all prepared for this now, so we don't go as nuts as we used to with Valentine's Day or anything else. We kind of know it's going to be okay, but not the most amazing thing since sliced bread. And it's just adapting to that. So I would say when it comes to our bread and butter lines, it is the everyday. It's it's the birthdays, the birthdays. it's the christenings, it's the anniversaries, it's the weddings that are always going to happen irrespective of what else is out there. Okay, okay, okay. Now that does make um, uh, a lot of sense. And I, I certainly thinking just about my own family and the continual stream of Indians, birthdays, <laughs> events, it's like nonstop, so uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. That's the actual core consistency, rather than I think. Okay, Valentine's Day must be the best, but actually, no. It's 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 as you said, the bread and butter. Um, mm. Talking then of um, events, um, are there some particular kind of singular um, events that have been kind of standout, like moments for? go international that um you know have been yeah just talk to me a little bit about um a couple of the events that you guys have been involved in that have been interesting i think halloween when we first started in halloween there was literally nothing in the uk i mean seriously nothing we weren't really? trick-or-treating or anything and we'd probably be lucky to sell even from a wholesale perspective hang on so we weren't trick-or-treating that blows my mind as someone um so, so, Okay, let's let, let's pivot a little bit. Talk talk to me a little bit about that then, and how that has changed the the business. Because Halloween today is huge. I I Absolutely. always think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, could you talk to me a little bit about your experience of the growth and development of Halloween as a as a celebrated festival in in England? Uh, then, again, thank you, USA. We follow the USA on all these ah. things. They certainly took the lead. And um, again, because of the advent of the internet and, and more interaction with people, we were seeing what was out there and growing our market. But Again, going back to the very beginning, I think we, we would not we wouldn't sell more than a couple of hundred Halloween balloons, foil balloons, and that was about it. Okay. You know, dress up, you'd probably get a broomstick, you'd probably get a witch's hat. But it, you know, if you look at what's out there, that's totally exploded, totally exploded. So Halloween on a consistent basis, we've seen growth. In 2017, maybe not so much because, again, we're going back to everyone jumping on the bandwagon and everyone going into Poundlands even, going into any of the supermarkets. Their shelves were actually chock-a-block with Halloween. So regrettably our poor retailers haven't had that same shot in the arm that they used to get from something like halloween if, yeah. if they're smart and they're buying smart they, they can certainly still make an impact in their in their area but overall um again it's another item that we've seen start from absolutely zero skyrocketing something you wouldn't believe and all of a sudden come not necessarily crashing down for a sudden finding a level where we're just kind of doing okay with it okay okay no halloween 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 it's, it blows my mind. Then it, it sounds. It sounds like the, the the Americans are a little bit of 
because they've come up in a couple of our conversations when we were talking in regards to sales. We talked about Halloween yep. at, at the event. Has 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 the uh, is it fair then to say in the balloon industry that the uh, uh, Americans have been kind of the the have paved the way? They've been the pave makers, if you want. For them. Oh, without a shadow. Whether it comes to who the leading manufacturers are, <clears throat> the leading trainers are, they're definitely all American and still are. There are three probably yeah three powerhouses at the moment which dominate the market. They pretty much lead where we're going, what we're doing, what the colors are going to be. And then we, we kind of follow and say thank you very much for the lead, really. Okay, okay. No, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me. And what about then on the continent? What is the balloon market like outside of the UK? Because we've just had a UK and kind of American focus, really. I think the UK, again, we, we mentioned this last time, has become a springboard for Europe for all that manufacturers. Yes. And it's been a good springboard. And the, the joy of... I think the continent is where we were maybe 15, 20 years ago, where they're still developing their markets, they're still growing their markets, and those who are involved now are having an amazing time. It's like the gold rush where it's, it's brand new, so everyone's getting involved and, and doing well because it's not, it's not evolved to the way it has in the UK. They certainly aren't experiencing the oversaturation of the marketplace. Yep. So seeing more growth, if you look at a growth curve, we're seeing more growth in Europe than we are in the UK right now okay. because they're being allowed to do what we did in the beginning, go out there, try new stuff, in, in, introduce the product to new markets. So absolutely, Europe is a, is a tremendous market for all of us. And is that for then someone who's coming new into the industry? Would you almost say that you know the mainland Europe is a really interesting space? Do you have you are there any particular adjustments you'd need to make as a UK-based seller of balloons if you're trying to market to I don't know the, the, the French, the Spanish? I've got no idea really. Yeah, there, there are products out there, especially Spanish because of the Spanish-American link as well over in. in so there's lots of printed product which which fits into the Spanish market. We have birthday balloons in France, so if the market wants it, it can be produced very, very easily. Yep. It's never going to be an issue to do that. Uh, the other joy of Europe at the moment, of course, with Brexit, the exchange rate, the euro to the pound ratio has really favoured the European market, so they're buying a lot more than they were before too and getting great prices right now. Okay, no, fascinating. That makes sense. Okay, um, final question, George, before um, I love and leave you today. Um, can you, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this in, in a lot further depth, what is um, thinking of the future, talking about Europe and its growth curve, could you kind of give me what you think are a couple of like the trends of what you think the next 18, 24 to 36 months is going to look like in the balloon industry in general? I can see a lot of consolidation. Uh, regrettably, I can see numbers dwindling in, in respect to who the current players are and who they're going to be in a year to 12 months, well, 12 to 18 months down the line. Last year, we saw two major manufacturers in their day, I'm sorry, two major wholesalers in their day disappear off the face of the earth. They, yeah. they stopped trading. Um, and it didn't even raise a blip on the Richter scale. You know, once upon a time when, when companies of that size went, it would cause a problem. But it's been diluted to the extent now where no one has ultimate power or no one has that kind of yeah. ability to put that kind of strength on the market where they're missed anymore. And because of that, I think where I, where I see it going is amalgamations. I, I see people working closer together and I see people obviously disappearing as well because they can't cope with what's happening out there. Um, it'll be more streamlined. We are going to see the power players continue to dominate and, and, and kind of instill their brand belief and, and what we should be doing on us and us having to kind of, to a certain extent, toe the line because if we don't and we do need them on our side, then, then again, more problems arise. And so overall... 
I'd say it's it's not necessarily gloomy as such, but I, I definitely think that the changes we're going to see in the next 12 to 18 months are going to be far more drastic than the changes we've seen over the past 30 years. Is there then perhaps an opportunity for, is, 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 is the key then to go specialist? If you're a, someone who's new is entering the market, um, should you not enter the market at all because of the, the, the incumbents? Or what's the advice then for someone who's like, George, there's all these different kinds of products, there's all these suppliers. I know I want to get into it, but I, I don't, I'm not sure on my angle. Okay. Well, we're, we're very guilty of downselling rather than upselling. So if, if a newbie comes to us and they want to spend, and we've had it many, many times, they want to spend a couple of grand with us and they want to kit out a shop and they want to buy everything they possibly can, we always kind of downsell them and we won't let them buy all the items we, they want to buy. We, we want them to understand their specific demographics and what they're trying to achieve. It's, it's, it's daunting to go into a, into a wholesalers and look at all this stuff, all this kind of pretty sparkly stuff and know what's right for you. Yeah. And so we're, we're very conscious of making sure and, and to help them on their way, making sure they're not one of these 90 to 95 failure rates in the first year. We're very conscious of making them understand that they need to know what their marketplace is. Yeah. You know, I don't believe there's bad businesses. I really don't. I believe there's bad business owners okay. because they haven't done due diligence. And they haven't looked into really what they want to do. So many times it's just a whim. They, they come into this because it's easy to get, to get involved with. Yeah. They're actually looking at what they want to achieve. So it's, it's, it's putting that horse behind you for a minute and putting the cart in front and kind of switching things around and, and flipping things on their head and trying to understand what are you trying to do in this industry? What are you coming to do? Are, are you yeah. coming just to enter an industry because someone down the road has an amazing shop and they seem to be very, very busy and they seem to be doing all the right things so you want a bit of that action? Are you doing that because you have a genuine passion for creativity and it's something that you can see a niche for? Have you done your homework? Have you researched the area? Do you know if the demographics around you are kind of the older generation? So they're looking for, if you go to eSport, for example, if you go to eSport, it's like our retirement home in the UK. Yep. It's pointless going down there and having lots of Disney characters and, and Mickey and Minnie and, and all the other yeah. stuff because you should be looking at anniversaries, perhaps. You should be looking at something that fits in that market. So it, is, it really is doing your homework and before even spending a penny, understanding who you're looking to sell to. Okay, that sounds really sensible. It sounds like someone who has an understanding, of course, of, has been through kind of the wars and the ups and downs. So everybody, I guess the lesson here, of course, is do your homework, pick a particular demographic, be excited nonetheless, but, but, but really think about your positioning. Uh, thank you, George. I thank will you. see you next week, guys. Look forward to it. Take care. Bye-bye.